The American economy has undergone fundamental changes in the three decades leading up to the financial crisis of 2008. Some of these changes were visible to everyone. The explosion of information technology and the increasing globalization of trade, for instance. Other changes were initially subterranean, but potentially more consequential. A revolution in finance has encouraged more people than ever before to participate in financial markets, from buying mutual funds to refinancing their home mortgages. It has also vastly expanded the domain of what can be bought and sold, from plain vanilla stocks and bonds to mortgages, credit card receivables, student loans, payouts of insurance contracts on the terminally ill, viaticals, future lawsuit settlements, and opaque derivatives such as collateralized debt obligations and credit default swaps. As more things are traded on financial markets and more households participate as buyers and sellers, directly and indirectly, finance has seeped ever deeper into the fabric of everyday life. This book is about how the financial revolution has reordered American society through its effects on corporations, financial intermediaries, governments, and households. My core argument is that financial markets have shaped the transition from an industrial to a post-industrial society. For most of the 20th century, social organization in the United States was shaped by the gravitational pull of the large corporation. It is now oriented around financial markets, to a degree that was almost unfathomable until it was revealed by a global economic crisis. Large corporations were the dominant social institution in American life for generations. From their abrupt emergence at the turn of the 20th century until the takeover wave of the 1980s, a few dozen corporations came to control most of the nation's industrial assets and to employ a sizable part of the labor force. Along the way, they reformatted society in their own image, turning an agrarian society into an industrialized world power. At the end of the 19th century, nearly half of the nation's workforce was dispersed among six million farms. Five decades later, fewer than one in six worked in agriculture, while manufacturers, mostly corporations, employed almost half of the non-governmental workforce. The large industrial corporation had become the organizing structure for economic and social life, exerting a gravitational pull on the character of industrial society. The employment practices of these firms formed the careers and broader life chances of individuals and households. Their choices about how and where to expand shaped regional economies, and their charitable donations and community involvement determined the character of cities. Fortune magazine drew out the political implications of this situation in 1952. Any president who wants to run a prosperous country depends on the corporation at least as much as, probably more than, the corporation depends on him. His dependence is not unlike that of King John on the landed barons of Runnymede, where Magna Carta was born. Yet by the early 1970s, the passing of industrial society was in sight, and with it, the dominance of the large corporation. When sociologist Daniel Bell described the post-industrial society in 1973 as one in which the majority of the labor force is no longer engaged in agricultural or manufacturing, but in services, the U.S. was the only country where this was the case. About 60% of Americans were employed in services. Today, the transition to post-industrialism is nearly complete in the United States. Agriculture and manufacturing combined account for a mere 11% of the workforce and falling. 
Retail employment surpassed manufacturing by the turn of the 21st century. And Walmart alone now employs more American workers than the dozen largest manufacturers combined. At the height of the real estate bubble in 2006, there were more real estate agents than farmers, more mortgage brokers than textile workers. The employment practices of large manufacturers and other bureaucratic firms, which once set the standard for middle-class life in America, are irrelevant for most of the population. And the idea of an organization providing a career of stable employment has been banished to civil servants and that sliver of academics with tenure. Many of the core firms of the mid-20th century U.S. economy, AT&T, General Motors, U.S. Steel, Westinghouse, have either disappeared or substantially retrenched, and whatever influence on public policy they may have had is long gone.